peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Welcome back. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to the program. If you're a new-time listener, just absolutely, sincerely thank you for choosing to spend your time listening to Beyond Secret Texan podcast with your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan. And that's the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast with your host, Beyond Top Secret Texan, coming to you from the third coast, the Gulf Coast. I think the best coast. Today we're going to be speaking about the Orion Draco reptilian invasion of Earth circa 2001. A.D. Anno Domini. I talk about as much as I know about it from my own personal experience and veterancy in it. The, the invasion, the defense of Earth, and eventually the victory of the Earth Alliance over the Orion Draco. The, that, the fragment, the splinter force of the Orion Draco, the armada that actually engaged in the hostilities, which was disavowed and mysteriously un, unknown, un, unaccounted for to um, you know, through the annals of military intelligence and the best efforts of Earth Alliance uh, researchers and from what we've gathered, at least from the Astro High Command, the only accurate information we've gathered from the Astro High Command is that they were and we'll get to that bit we'll cross that bridge we'll get to it what they actually were this is a uh, subject that fills me with a lot of emotions, but I'm trying to be cold, objective, and analytic you know, I have a thousand things to say about it and to cover, and I hope I do a good enough job in, in, in covering a credible event and subject like this uh, with enough justice and clarity and accuracy. So, you know, I'm not a uh, military historian by trade or by, by scholarship, and so 
um, as an amateur, you know, military scholar, I'm trying to remember, because this is all a lie, this is all one take, uh, the, the correct way to do this, the correct way to start it, the correct way to kind of, uh, navigate the subject, it's like discussing, for example, like World War II in two hours, you know, trying to cover the origins, the history, and then the, the real pertinent uh, major events and facts, so forgive me if uh, you have memories of this, if you have experiences of it, first of all, let's thank the veterans who served, and the humans who gave their lives, who sacrificed everything, who fought bravely and defended uh, each other and their homes wherever in the solar system they made their stands and drew their breaths let us all remember that it is one breath it is one heart that is the human uh, heart that is a human experience that is a human race and that you know Ultimately, that's the biggest picture there, that regardless of what you believe about factions, what you believe about, uh, you know, karma or dharma or uh, the 20-year and back program, Earth Alliance actions and deeds, Solar Warden, Dark Fleet, you know, ICC, whatever your personal biases and prejudices are in politics, uh, it should be remembered that humans are all a part of the human race, all a part of the human species, and in an interspecies war, I cannot make it more clear to you that the greater basic needs, like the, the literally foundation of the pyramid of, of higher needs, is built on the preservation and defense of the human race against an entirety of extraterrestrials and a species or faction uh, when they are literally invading Earth, when they are invading our solar system, our territory, uh, with uh, extremely um, extremely um, I was going to say very powerful weapons, extremely powerful uh, weapons, because planet annihilation, species annihilation, is possible. That it, that was absolutely a possibility, and as far as I know, this is the most, I guess you call it, the, the highest risk situation, the most dangerous situation the human race has ever been in, to involved in, um, and probably the most important uh, military defense slash like war uh, engagement that you would ever, uh, that had ever happened in our timeline, that ever happened in our human history up to this point. except for maybe the war of um, 1910s, the, the Habsburg um, 
defense of the human race from the uh, hollow earth, from the insectines that were building colonies in Europe that had crashed to Europe. But even then, that was not on the scale of this at all. I mean, like, is that only the, the historical importances of first contact with the hostile and, you know, um, um, technologically advanced and superior uh, ultra-terrestrial foe uh, being the first ever it, it's it, that's the only thing that can compete in terms of uh, debate. See, I need to streamline this and keep going with it because I'm stuck. Exactly, I'm trying to I'm trying to work out like the philosophies and shit. Like when it comes to this, and trying to just think about it, bare nuts and bolts, detach emotions, try to reach a steady clarity. Um, I will try to highlight the experiences that I have and the perspective I have, but I'm trying to actually. Exp- and express the whole of uh, the series of events, etc. Including the ones that I was not involved in, including the ones that um, I've only been made aware of now, because this is, of course, beyond top secret. This is, of course, extremely classified information. Um, the only other people who speak about it speak about it as far as I've deduced only from very, say, like I said, perspective, experience, specifics, which, at the end of the day, is all a man really knows is real, is the way that, you know, even I uh, recover these memories is by experiencing my own experiences, my senses, my my physical, you know, realities, presences, and moments of time. Um, my quantum superpositions in these, these timelines. But, um just like everything else it has to be understood to get any real benefit from it not from simply the perspective of my own eyes but the greater perspective of how it truly played out and you have to understand that just like you have to understand um, forward languages to understand um, other, you know, like just like you have to understand the world geography, not just your own local geography. Just like you have to understand uh, that the world doesn't end outside of your line of sight, and that societies, communities, etc., that wars, campaigns have multiple fronts. They have multiple um, events and timelines that lead to later events, events that happen at the end of the war are directly because of the events that happened in the beginning of the war, et cetera, et cetera. The pacing, the, the forces, the momentum, the history itself is written out and only commanders, only people who um, have the academic fortitude to understand the world in this way. And I mean like at, at college level way, at university level way, at professor level way, um, can really make any progress in, in understanding where the, this thing, whole world is going and where it went. Now, this is exactly like a veteran, for example, of Vietnam learning about the geopolitics of what caused the Vietnam War 
and being able to um, use both his ground level experiences and um, knowledge of the the events at a ground level and not in that real sensory capacity to put in perspective though the events that happened years before his personal involvement and years after his personal involvement and then not only that but what happened in his society from the very highest echelons of power and authority to the very lowest you know level of after you know where the ripples and in, in, in waves of this uh, butterfly type of effect would, would later produce the war etc so let's get into it with no further delay so that's what I'm just trying to uh, to kind of like uh, explain why I'm going to be discussing the way I am so not in just the classic this is my experience and, and no uh, my experience was was not one of uh, authority or one of higher cognitive um, understanding. I was, in my experience, a teenager, um, 14 years old, following orders, and just like I was trained to do, raised to do, just like I was uh, subliminally programmed to do, MKUltra to do, plus ultra to do, and, and my experience was in close earth defense as well as the uh, eventual um, I guess you call it black blockading and Securing, securing of the Earth's uh, now shattered and, and devastated um, defensive orbits, as well as as years would progress, being involved in frontier and hollow Earth exploration, which had become an extreme interest and viability after the events of the Orion Draco uh, invasion of 2001 which is not over dramatizing it it was an invasion of earth even though the target of the invasion the or the destination of the beachhead that was to be established and the destination of the armada that had entered our solar system was antarctica weird how these things work out obviously it was a much higher priority than um any other continent for the Orion Draco for various reasons, some of which can only be speculated about, but most are known, you know, by by those who are in the know, by those who, you know, research and follow this stuff, but I'll get into it as that, we cross that bridge when we get into it, that's, that's very much at the later stages and the end of it, so that's not literally, um, you know, mistake our tails for our heads and let's get into the uh, timeline this is going to be the timeline of the what I call the Orion Draco invasion of Antarctica in 2001 
80. situation you can say began well before the year 2001 in the mid 90s you were getting reports radio transmissions from way beyond the edge of galaxies that were definitely Orion Draco coded But then again, our technology had just advanced to that level that we were starting to be able to detect these things with the facilities like the Arecibo, um, you know, giant receiver, SETI, etc. These relay intelligence stations that were receiving information we're doing we're, we're, that was their mission to receive alien transmissions and communications we're doing just that and as soon as we turned it on we were able to receive um, messages on spectrums that were otherwise considered impossible now granted the people who operated these facilities the people who you know for example signed off on their funding had no clue as to the importance and to the fact that several of these stations were being developed that were completely blacklisted black sites that were even more powerful uh, for as powerful as say for example the uh, you know um, the, the the radar di- no, uh, radar dish of the um, Arecibo uh, station as powerful as that was there were several black sites around the world. The Arecibo Observatory in Arecibo, Puerto Rico. There were several um, stations around the world and the dark side of the moon, entire space stations that were dedicated to, uh, you know, acquiring this information, uh, alien transmissions, signals, etc., they were also direct energy weapons in a very primitive way, being able to produce scalar weaponry, or at least scalar howitzers, Tesla howitzers, etc. Also built on black sites, deserts in, in mountain ranges across the world. Um, this in many ways, even though Solar Warden had been very uh, active since the 1950s, was the beginning of an inclusion of creating a uh, worldwide encompassing defensive grid of direct energy weapons that was going to focus on creating a shell of radar basically a radar dome around the world and radar is very powerful they can be concentrated it can burn out electronics it basically creates a, a localized EMP effect and something called a scalar howitzer where if you got two uh, equally powerful radars, I believe it's three or four equally powerful radars, they can combine their uh, radar uh, beams and um, concentrate that energy to produce extreme temperatures 
and so this was going to be the literal force field around the Earth. Um, these developments were happening in the 90s, of course, so the dual functions of these observatories. Um, but as we were also colonizing the solar system, uh, these are the solar. This, the secret space program was in a golden age at this time. It was a lot of activity. The first stages of the 80s, and this is all late 80s, 90s, uh, going into the late 90s, we felt that we had a handle and a control over what was becoming a increasingly understood uh, world situation, where no longer mankind was... Um, having to be completely and directly guided by extraterrestrials, ultra-terrestrials, and how to handle our matters, how to handle our activities, how to handle ourselves militarily and uh, psychically, you know, politically as well as industrially, and that at this time, the Dark Fleet and not Waffen had actually committed to a outside the four uh, in in, I guess you call it the uh, interior uh, um, block, the solar system domain, which is uh, the sun or, or solar, a soul, there's uh, Mercury, there's Venus, there's Earth, and there's Mars. And the four interior block um, solar system. Then there's the asteroid belt that separates Mars and Jupiter which in that distance is greater than the entirety of the radius of the four um, you know heavenly bodies of the uh, interior block so that puts it in perspectives that from the sun to Mars including uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth uh, Earth's moon and Mars with the barrier physically being the asteroid belt, the asteroid shell that separate, and, and plus several now energy shells, energy uh, force fields that, that basically shield off and shell off the uh, interior block, the inside block, you know, this interior domain, the Blue Sphere Alliance, you know, because it is a blue sphere at this point, uh, also Earth being the blue sphere. That is, that is, you know, the major uh, planetary body um, inside this interior domain. Uh, people think Earth scale is small. It's actually not. Earth is the size of Jupiter. and Or it's close. It's analogous to the size of Jupiter and Saturn. It is, it's that size. While Mars and Venus are more comparable to the size of our moon... But our moon is only 2% of the density of Earth. So Earth is approximately 50 times larger than the moon. Putting into a scale that it's not nowhere near at the size of Jupiter or Saturn, uh, but it is around that size compared to... I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, It's not inches, it's, it's hundreds of millions of miles of diameter. You know, but uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a, it's a mass. I mean, surface volume and, and area, uh, 
you know, as a sphere or a spheroid. Um, but a lot of the optical effects and illusions of living on our planet, the true scale, is because we just don't understand. We, we it's kept secret to the majority of humanity that the Earth is that large. It's actually uh, you could fit literally almost every single solid piece of material, rock, iron, mineral, ice, whatever, into the Earth. If from outside of the Earth, everything outside the Earth can fit inside the Earth, uh, because Saturn and Jupiter are gas giants, and they don't have uh, solid uh, structures the way we do. Conventional solid structures the way we do. We, we are the densest planetoid. So this blue sphere interior alliance is extremely valuable, and and it's basically built like a fortress. But it, the Earth itself is built like this fortress, right? And then. Um, the dark fleet not often being completely nomadic and, and having more of an interest in um, acquiring ancient reptilian, you know, technologies, territories, uh, and already basically freeing themselves and gaining independence from um, conventional earthbound logistic systems, being able to literally fabricate and create their fleets of ships from the raw material of um, you know these gas giants basically the, they were no longer in our solar system to exert their influence in our defensive developments and had given us political permissions to create weapons of um, you know increasing number and power and abilities, basically different uh, domains of warfare, electronic warfare, uh, you know, uh, everything from interceptors to, uh, you know, planet-crushing uh, kinetic weaponry, uh, like the, the, the planet-killer missile, the planet-crusher, the, uh, the colony-crusher, which is... The, the nickname for a uh, kinetic near-relativity uh, missile which travels at near-relative light speed and can effectively be considered like the, um, the, the, the super weapon of mass destruction that Solar Warden uh, uses to control and to defend itself because if given enough distance and the ability to develop enough speed, literally the further away the target, the faster and more deadly it can get. The um, impact of which, you know, accuracy is irrelevant because it can liquidate uh, entire continental shelves, you know, and it's we're not sending only one, and that I digress. But that is the kind of political context in which we see ourselves set up for the fact that we are now developing sensor technology etc. Solar Warden is assuming total control over the solar system uh, or at least the interior domain where this is relevant because the unique situation we find ourselves in and remember Mars and Earth are 300 million miles away Earth and the Moon are 200,000 miles away so when I speak later about distances and defensive perimeters, etc., so you can understand that this could happen 
well out of eyesight, even though you think amateur astronomers, etc., have powerful technologies um, like any kind of technological field, like firearms or lasers or um, you know medical technologies, etc. The l- abilities of the technology is not. It's, it's limited by the factory. It's limited by the producer, the engineer that creates it. And it's nowhere near able to acquire energy signals or uh, images outside the authority of these uh, higher intelligence agencies and powers, sensors, uh, everything from CIA, DIA, NSA... He said they could scrub the internet clean of any of the rarities, the odd examples, any kind of evidence that would happen. And even then, this invasion did not leave. That was not the perfect crime. There was a lot of evidence. There was a lot of events, including the destruction of the World Trade Towers in 9-11. But we'll cross those bridges when we get to it. I'm just saying that this is the beginning days of it, late 90s. Um, They were very few independent astronomical bodies or organizations that existed that could verify or even detect the events that were to happen um, you know following in these late 90s to 2000s and 2001 colonies on Mars had already been developed since the 70s at this time, there were roughly, I believe, three to six million people living on Mars, and I want to say upwards of 300 colonies, 300 individual colonies, um, a significant amount of people, but given the fact that it's a planet, Mars, they were very isolated and few and far between with a couple of major metroplexes, um, in several areas, it's they weren't like a, a world blanketing infrastructure, uh, you know, titan of, of industry. They weren't. They were more akin to like wild western uh, frontier towns, merged with bunkers where most of the living was done underground, and facilities that looked very much like Earth, much like home. Um, and that these colonists were very seldom ever even required to go above ground or outside of their colonies uh, for any reason, unless that it was their uh, job, their career, or their life that they were destined to either be, you know, a surface farmer, traveler, trucker, whatever you would have, or a defense force soldier, someone who would uh, travel between the colonies, making sure that wildlife, other species of intelligent life. For there are several different intelligent species on Mars that have arisen in the arid, um, you know, atmosphere. They, they say it's atmosphere. It's it's not. It's a very thin atmosphere, but you can actually acclimate yourself to um, walking around on Mars because the UV radiation is actually less powerful than it is on Earth. And uh, besides being like walking around on a mountain, the air is still substantial enough, the atmosphere still is substantial enough to breathe, especially around terraformed areas like the colonies, 
which produce their own oxygen, their own uh, methane, etc., to make the atmosphere more conducive and um, and uh, productive. Like they they add just the right balance. So literally around these terraforming um, agricultural centers, a man can walk around on the surface of Mars on a good day without worrying about temperature inversion, etc. Um, Mars is green in many places. There are forests, there are trees, there's running blue water. Geologically, Mars is very similar to a desert on Earth, but not the Sahara Desert, more like the American West, which has... uh, sufficient water supply if you know the geographically uh, where to find it say for example the Colorado River or the you know Pyramid Lake in Nevada although it does have hundreds of thousands of miles square miles that are completely bone dry like Death Valley like the Sierra Madre Mountains uh, you know etc like northern Mexico and, and the volcanic kind of wastelands of those areas um, because Mars used to be theoretically under the ocean it used to be underwater for a large part of its existence um, but that's this isn't a history lesson on Mars the point is though Mars was actually thriving it was in a time of great optimism and positivity the local colonists had you know already been there for I would like to say 30 years and had just began to kind of begin populating on their own naturally so this was in many ways psychologically a, a kind of like literal honeymoon or at least first generation type event where people were becoming native born Martians that was in the zeitgeist in the human spirit a lot of a lot of Earth Alliance pride, a lot of uh, you know, focus on these matters that left us kind of blindsided to a very brutal truth of the universe, and that is uh, as nihilistic as it sounds in this universe, there is only war, and war never changes, and as soon as the good times produced soft uh, enough society as if though it was some kind of divine intervention this armada of Orion Draco appeared right outside Mars but inside the asteroid belt of the interior dominion now a little bit of context is that the Orion Draco reptilian uh, empire still exists it is diminishing it is a a decaying empire it's absolutely engulfed in civil war uh, between its major elite families uh, which are more concerned with their supremacy inside this empire than they are of any outside threat Uh, they have a worldview that is that singular in their own uh, domination, their own existence, that this is what the majority of the species 
is actively engaged, committed to, and uh, solely exist for is to play out these civil wars. Uh, now, this was because the power balance was destroyed when humanity achieved its independence in this last great reset with the intervention of the Ashtar High Command, with the invasion of the solar system by the Ashtar High Command, by the Galactic Federation, uh, and the destruction of the Orion Draco regime on Earth. This you know, absolutely threw their entire uh, system into chaos, but the territory and the populations that they have, the strength that they have, even though they've already signed a peace uh, with the Astro High Command and are actually kept from the interior dominion by a, a density shield, an energy shield, that the Astro High Command, um, that's their priority, is basically to create the shield, to maintain the shield, these defenses while keeping mankind, you know, playing out its events. Um, that they... Uh, still have more territory. They still have more colonies. They still have more cities. They still have more population. They still have more ships. They still have more bases. They still have more weapons of total annihilation destruction than any other faction, any other group outside of the Astra High Command and outside of the fact that the Astra High Command is uh, simply an expedition force of a much larger society that exists in a different arm of the galaxy, if you will. See, but when it comes to solar system-specific empires, empires that are only concerned or existing inside this solar system, the Orion Draco are still very much the dominant super-society, the dominant super-organism that rules beyond this interior dominion a greater kingdom uh, because once you start, yes, individual political factions, individual societies would much rather see each other destroyed. But um, as a whole, the species, as as uh, territorial authority over much greater areas of dimension, you know, much greater uh, areas of scale and territories of scale that that you could, because this is going into Jupiter, claiming all of the moons of Jupiter claiming all of the moons of Saturn, claiming the outer planets, the outer fringe planets. It, you know, and it, this is um, uh, not accounting their, their free-floating structures, their space stations, because what does a planet mean to some uh, society that can build ships the size of moons and, and have entire capital hives that have trillions of Orion Draco living literally floating through space in these giant colony ships, these arcs. Um, see, the discussion of actually having a home planet becomes irrelevant when they can live their entire species' existence in the depths of space, which is, uh, you know, not but yeah, point is the Orion Draco have signed a peace. It's not like their current intentions in this timeline is to attack and to reclaim Earth or to attack and to destroy humanity. And I, I cannot stress this enough. Even though you can't trust them and they very, very happily do that, they are still bound by other uh, extraterrestrial powers, etc. And reasons 
of their own political devices, their own agenda that actually has us right now in a state of peace with them. A cold war, yes, but a peace. And it's a peace between species, a peace between the Orion Draco reptilians as a species and the human beings, the human, the human race, Earth as a species. I know that sounds um, crazy, but it is verified by the Asherai Command by Greys, because Greys now are on Earth as refugees from the war that is currently going on between the Greys and the Orion Draco, uh, the Zeti and the Orion Draco, which the Zeti are, uh, I think, going to be ultimately the thing that destroys the Orion Draco, what ultimately created them as a species or an identity, as a concept. Um, but that's another story for another time. But that is also currently happening. Greys are fighting Ryan Draco. This is important because it helps out the defense. They helped out the defense of Earth. They help out a lot when it comes to the events of the Ryan Draco invasion. Um, they don't help out humanity, though, besides this idea of loyalty exchange. And they themselves are more rogue and independent, but... That we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but know that they are also actively involved in most of everything I'm saying. Um, but the Greys themselves are like servitors, they're like automatons, they're like uh, robots, and their authority and their sentience and their personalities and their uh, rank in society can range from everything from supreme ruler of you know a uh, entire, you know, uh, faction or entire uh, uh, societal elements, like the working class of the Greys could have a, a singular dominant persona leading it, or they could be like a glorified uh, Roomba and only exist to clean a certain, um, you know, hallway, and you you get a Grey. And that gray exists as a Roomba, and he just exists to clean a certain part of, like, a facility, like a laboratory. So they range. And so, yes, grays are active in the Solar Warden Earth Alliance activities, creating, engineering, uh, you know, facilitating, doing basically math. Those are living calculators. They only have the ability to act and perform like calculators. There are other grays... And a lot of the ones that we, you know, exactly. Greys are a very complicated subject, but the point is, um, and not any greys except are clones. Anyone can make a gray. Um, we actually were given the ability to make greys by the greys because the greys are collectively a clone, a clone society, so. When you speak to one clay, gray, you understand that there are a thousand different copies, at very least, of this game gray, and their society is very complex because you don't understand why exactly they become who they be, they are who they are, or why things are the way they are. Because what we know is difference, or um, they're, they're very inhuman. Let's just put it that. While humanoid. They are very inhuman. And, um... More like the physical shells of computer programs. 
you know, and it, it, exactly like it, they're not talking to things that say, for example, value their individual lives because their personalities would just be uploaded into another clone. And, and some could argue that they were never alive in the first place because they were all artificially created from the first generation onward, and they're just self-replicating clones. Which is why exactly the the idea of them being involved uh, needs to be understood in that frame rate because they already got a gray war going on in the depths of the you know outer limits of the solar system with the Orion Draco. That's their cultural enemy. But as they exist on Earth, it's very you know it's very hit or miss between which gray actually can't and cannot, you know, participate or any kind of ability to do so in the first place. Um, but yes, greys were, you know, actively... See, which greys actually have personalities and have agendas and have motivations and desires versus which greys are just literal blinks. Um, and so, yeah, like... Uh, I don't like to think about them very much because, like, like, I don't really like greys. Um... And I don't want to make this a personal bias type conversation, but yes, involved in this entire thing were the Greys. But I digress. So right now we are at the stage where it's the year 2000 or 1999, year 2000. Uh, Ryan Draco's teleport into the interior domain. They have bypassed the energy shields. They have bypassed the asteroid belt, the uh, the asteroid shell. They are literally within Mars' uh, conventional defenses and in their range. They are immediately met with defensive action. They are assumed to be an Orion Draco uh, show of force from the conventional empires. The Mars Defense Force, while armed, was insufficient in actually being able to prevent or even slow down the amount of Armada ships that were able to teleport into this interior space before the Astra High Command were able to basically encapsulate the entire Blue Sphere Alliance with enough of a psychic shield, a density shield, to prevent any entrance or exit from the Blue Sphere Alliance temporarily. This would see, though, a massive commitment on their part to form a power grid requiring all of their ships, basically. Which puts them in a weird position, because while they are sealing off the Earth from any teleportation activity possibilities, uh, this includes warp travel, jump travel, wormhole travel from any point in the galaxy. So no outside forces like the Notwaffen, who are currently outside this interior domain, um, can enter. No um, friendly forces who are not Ashtar or Galactic Light Federation can enter 
no lower density beings can enter. Um, like the greys, who are lower density beings, they cannot enter. Uh, at the same time, you know, this is just saying, the stage, this is literally within the first hours, the first celestial hours, uh, the first solar hours of um, the, the event itself, the invasion itself, as a rapid response to it. They did not abandon us. They were not absent. They immediately cut off whatever this great influx of Orion Draco was. Uh, at the time, assumed to be the conventional Orion Draco, which existed our solar system. Um, this was erroneous, though. This was not the case. As communications were instantly established, both by Atlantis rising, uh, human diplomats, which is the political galactic UN, for example, for the human race, to all extraterrestrials and all, uh, you know, Galactic Light Federation type entities, especially with the help of the Astro High Command, which in this case, they were aiding our psychic abilities, they were aiding, you know, as much as they could immediately. That the Orion Draco elsewhere did not know about this because it's it's better than a polygraph test. This is psychic communication where falsities cannot exist through translations of um, communications, especially facilitated by Astra High Command. Um, you know, basically, um, I want to say fish priests. But, like, that's just the, what I'm, what the, the image of the words I'm getting right now in my head. But, yeah, like the Piscean priests, fish priests. Um, kind of like the, the Ben Gesserit from uh, Dune. Uh, the Ashtar um, psychic negotiators, the people who can project um, their will literally across planets. Um, and, and serve as a uh, human, or at least biological, um, receiving towers. From, from all kinds of psychic and, and intelligent and communication. They can communicate trans-specially. Um, you know, they, regardless of what your species of your certain cognitive and social and spiritual level, they can communicate with you. And this is how they kind of, you know, keep diplomacy. This is how they keep ambassadorial control. Remember, they are high lawful beings. So even while Mars is being bombarded and and attacking back against this Orion Draco Armada, which is already teleported in at the number of 10,000 ships. I believe the actual figure was 12,000 ships. So it's, it's 12,000 ships that had managed to get through, around 12,000, approximately 12,000, that had managed to get through the, within the first, you know, within moments before the shield was able to be risen up because it wasn't properly understood what exactly was going on. Um, being that the Ashtar High Command are so positive sided and they didn't understand, um, and they saw no reason for the Orion Draco in our timeline for attacking. So, I mean, they were, it was very much where they were basically, um, you know, like, if you, if you were America during the Cold War and planes started bombing you and it was a rogue Russian general, you would still have to call the Soviet Union 
to figure out what the fuck was going on because the by your intelligence this shouldn't be happening and the Soviet Union would either confirm nor deny your suspicions that they were in you know involved or not in these hostilities and in this situation where the Soviet Union is like the Orion Draco and the United States is like the Human Earth Federation the Human Earth Alliance they are calling you know psychically to the Orion Draco and this is actually a turning point because we needed to have stronger and more open communication lines with actual resident diplomats and embassies and ambassadors um, afterwards to specifically make sure that communications could happen as fast as possible between uh, major elite Orion Draco representative clans uh, etc. and humans and, and trustworthy uh, you know um, savvy uh, Atlantis Rising diplomats who could actually negotiate and 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 uh, communicate uh, powerfully against the Orion Draco, which themselves are a very powerful negative force, very powerful force that literally can paralyze people psychically with their mere presence. So, you know, there was there was a gap of communication time. So while Mars is being literally uh, engulfed in a in a planetary war uh, within hours, you know, uh, this communication is occurring. The Orion Draco take no credit for it. Not nothing that they uh, that they are aware of or have any mobility or actions. Um, and as you know, Earth and the Astra demand accountability and demand verification that they are not responsible for this, trying to make sense of why Orion Draco reptilians are, are ships are attacking, why their, their life signatures are aboard, why they are the ones doing it, their technology is doing it. The Orion Draco are actually sh- trying to uh, deny responsibility in a very cognitive dissonance type moment, but psychically being very honest. And they're like, this, these ships are not on our registries. None of them are uh, part of any war clan. None of them are part of any sub-family or elite family. None of them are part of any of the, the warlords or system lords or uh, anything, right? Like, we would not have endorsed this because it violates the treaty, which, you know, would just be against even their code of honor, even their political empire honor, right? Um... This, this is just while this is going on, <clears throat> setting up a stage for what would go into be the raising and destruction of Mars, the great uh, destruction of most of the Mars colonies that the ICC had created and had been maintaining and running currently on Mars at this time in the year 2000. This would go into be the catalyst for the Y2K phenomenon on Earth, which would see the NSA and the government, the military-industrial intelligence communities, scrambling to uh, control all the internet news, all the web media of the new millennium, um, claiming this this great, you know, disastrous uh, computer virus or computer bug would occur but really gaining backdoor access to every single internet provider and, and device and being able to literally scrub the world clean from any of these records 
as um, the invasion drew nearer to Earth and eventually create the state of secrecy that would exist by the time the Orion Jaker were already attacking the Earth directly with uh, direct energy weapons. Now, this could be considered the beginning of the uh, three-part attack in the history of it. So we'll be getting into those three parts um, when we come back because this is already going to the first hour of it. That's, this is all building up to both the mystery as it happens, the political climate between the different factions involved, and um, the situation that we're finding ourselves in, the thing that sets up the campaign theater, the, the actual battlefield of the interior domain between Mars and Earth, including the moon and, um, you know, the space in between. So thank you all very much for your patience. You guys got a lot of guts for, for saying to these uh, marathon episodes, but it's absolutely uh, my honor and privilege to bring them to you. Remember, you guys make this possible with your funding of independent content and citizen journalism and um, secret space program media. Um, it, it means a lot to me, and it really is uh, what keeps me alive as a channel and as a content provider, as a podcast host, as, um, you know, just someone trying to bring everyone evidence and communication with this true uh, history of the world that has been kept secret from all of us. I, your Patreon membership, your PayPal support, your... Um, just donation of a dollar a month uh, it's the beginning access you know it's the beginning ticket price uh, it's the Good Samaritan price if each one of my listeners would just contribute a dollar a month um, you know less than a price of coffee for you less than a uh, McDonald's cheeseburger just a month uh, you know that's, that's the kind of money you'd give to someone sitting on the, uh, the side of a street the side of an overpass um handing out, you know, with a cardboard sign, uh, just because you had it in your cup holder, you know, and if you guys could see it in the goodness of your heart and, um, and, uh, just, you know, help keep citizen journalism, keep independent media alive, help keep the secret space program information, this, uh, cryptid evidence, this UFO evidence that I got going on my Instagram and, uh, TikTok, etc. um, you know, it, it not only um, helps me eat, but it helps fund uh, future projects. It helps fund, uh, you know, the the acquisition of hardware, software, video production software, uh, editing tools, etc. That will bring a, a much more entertaining pro, uh, you know, uh, product, much more entertaining and uh, professionally made. Uh, edited and uh, produced effort of content to you guys. So you'd be helping uh, not only yourselves, but everyone else who would who could be reached and could be benefited from this content, um, this information, this truth. You know, you guys be doing your part in the Infowars as a uh, Patreon, as a producer of this uh, content and you know it would absolutely be uh, like you know a butterfly effect where your one dollar you know if, if everyone had that one dollar donation it would it would absolutely set this um, much needed 
continent into a bigger league, a more major league, where we could compete on the YouTube algorithm, we could compete on the world stage, um, get larger uh, promotional efforts uh, involved, get uh, documentaries made, get merchandise um, created, but you know, it all starts with the show of support at the, you know, very, um, very modest and humble ticket price of a dollar. And if you guys would, you know, pay a dollar to see a, a, a band you guys really liked or a comedian or a movie, then a dollar is, um, you know, a dollar is fair enough in my opinion. You know, it shows, it shows, filters out the bots, filters out the shills, and shows you guys uh, really support independent media, independent contents. So God bless you all. Uh, you know, who have supported, and God bless you those who are considering the support. Uh, so yeah, next time you hear me, we'll be going into the part two, part three of these uh, Orion Draco invasion. So thank you very much. the next time you hear my voice will be the I guess you call it the the events the campaign the action the fate of millions of lives and just on the human side the true strength of arms and forces is unknown exactly on the Orion Draco's end. But given that this was a undesignated, unaccounted for, mysterious anomaly in the form of a 12,000 vessel strong splinter armada. One can assume the Orion Draco company, the Orion Draco present, were in the billions. Most of them designated for war fighting operation, for war fighting uh, cast, either ground. Uh, force, ordnance, engineer, pilot, uh, everything from uh, logistical maintenance to, you know, living computer, medical, um, you know, species, like uh, subspecies, uh, were accounted for. The entirety of the known taxonomy and variation of the Orion Draco was present. At one point or another, even more obscure genetic species and breeds, um, members of their caste or pronunciations were present, such as uh, those that are only existent in the deep voids of space and have never been accounted for um, or observed 
uh, in the interior domain. This leads me to connect the dots as a man of intelligence, even though this is not the official um, declaration for their origins, that being still undecided if kept at a level of secrecy that even I cannot perceive in my meditations and, and views into the Akashic Record. Um, I can only imagine they were a splinter expedition or the fleet of an Orion Draco empire that's outside of the known solar system possibly in various exoplanets or um, neighboring solar systems or even one of, of even greater reach um, having already existed in such a distant um, you know separation and distant isolation away from the main Orion Draco fleet to have evolved into a unique psychic signature a unique species that was not a part of the Orion Draco I guess you'd call it uh, gestalt consciousness the gestalt species awareness uh, granted remember they are extremely advanced uh, spiritual beings regardless if you view them as uh, negative or uh, physical materialist the other options and alternative explanations are they from they're from an alternate timeline having um, messed around with some quantum experimentation uh, such as wormhole or dimensional drift technology and um, appeared in our physical reality from a mirror universe from a uh, parallel reality or they are from some kind of time traveling uh, expedition that through some fate of either misadventure or actual calculation and jump appeared not through distance in space but through time and space saying from billions of years in the past or millions of years in the past sorry or even millions of years in the future returning to the solar system after some unknown event or um, occurrence uh, motivated such a journey either way these completely rogue Orion Dracos numbering in the billions and with 12,000 um, mostly warships you know besides their, their arc ships, colony ships, etc appeared right between Mars and the limitations of the barrier previously established by the Astro High Command and now being reinforced by the majority of the Orion, of the Astro High Command's um, indigo light fleets their armadas that exist remember it's a 360 degree spherical barrier that must be maintained with a physical presence so they basically form this energy grid and thus really were occupied keeping this grid in existence against um, any physical 3D um, intervention or invasion from from regardless of, of loyalty or psychic affiliation, any kind of negativity 
or anything more negative uh, dimensionally than an Ashtar uh, Indigo lightship as they awaited reinforcements from their Ashtar High Command. You know, because like I said, they, they, they exist in another arm of the galaxy. They exist with the Galactic Light Federation of Light, and they, um, you know, exist in some say even um, a different rea- a different universe, a different reality than us, uh, overseeing and controlling our timeline, along with uh, infinite amounts of timelines. Thus, mankind the human species, the Earth Alliance, the Blue Sphere Alliance, the interior domain was forced to defend itself the best it could and defend its colonies to its best capabilities. The Solar Warden at the time relied on a armada of eight major interplanetary uh, carrier ships that could serve as mobile bases, uh, factorum, uh, manufactorum, um, life, like basically space stations that were equipped and armed for war that could um, exert an entire expeditions and colony efforts worth of protection and defense and uh, provision, you know, being able to respond to any emergency, whether it be uh, extraterrestrial, you know, hostility or natural disaster or internal revolution or rebellion, um, what have you, you know, they they were a a universalist, uh, a versatile, adaptable um, response force. They were, at this time, unfortunately spread out, given that the overwhelming optimism in time for peace, given the confidence being um, felt psychically by the human race, you know, in, as in a whole, regardless of the more paranoid and, you know, internally hostile and, and critical members of its society, as a whole, the human race was uh, in the honeymoon phase of extraplanetary colonization, etc., untested um, with their new technology untested with their new tactics untested against an enemy of of a more advanced and experienced nature and thus the inevitable outcome of such an unfair fight played out the few million a few million colonists on Mars were mostly ICC colonists and um workers from the original you know like generationals uh, colonists of the original colonists set forth in the 70s from the Soviet Union and collected states to go forth and colonize the Mars uh, the Martian surface and create the underground bunkers and to research the ruins left by ancient Martian civilizations as well as establish any kind of communications or relationships with local intelligent life explorations uh, you know, mining of minerals, the basically the day-to-day life. They were not dedicated career um, military members, soldiers, um, etc. They were mostly either industrialists, regular human beings in society, 
um, simply just trying to make a living in a brand new opportunity to give their you know future a, a the greatest wealth that they you know were lacking here on earth but basically a new chance or they were one of the researcher educated class of intelligentsia from the international you know surface of this earth sit to Mars to help uh, perform the scientific and you know archaeological paleontological um, you know academic type research necessary to fully explore and colonize Mars the Martian Defense Force was made up of both these natural born colonists natural Martians as well as ICC um provision to garrison support and security staff androids um, light attack vehicles armored vehicles for their convoys generally though these technologies and these provisions were geared towards the more realistic event of surface to uh, surface level species interspecies skirmishes between humans and less advanced native and local populations, if not equally advanced in certain regards. So, for example, the security forces were more equipped and better trained to deal with um, uprisings of the indigenous uh, reptilian savages or the uh, rare rise of... uh, you know, Martian piracy from other colonists to um, the political separatist and, and, and otherwise known as terrorist movement, the the lunar Marxists who are hardcore Leninist and Marxist elements of the original Soviet Union colonial ICC efforts, um, members of the real world drawn up from various ranks of the intelligentsia and having this spirit of human utopianism utopianism um, sorry human utopia from a communist standpoint from a communist perspective that communist ideology existing still on Mars the red planet uh, very much is is um, very much was a thriving ground for that red ideology given the industrialist nature given the, the extreme capitalist nature of the colonies and the colonist movements um, you know limited atomic warfare capabilities uh, air forces that were geared more for inter-atmospheric not extra, extra planetary type uh, uh, combat you know akin to like helicopters and jets etc armored convoys for dealing with the local flora and fauna the local uh, indigenous uh, natives the aboriginal creatures you know to suppress any kind of uh, mobility from their part Uh, the armada that it was now fighting was akin to a bull elephant about to um You know, run down, um, a run run amok, basically in a mall, uh, with this with the security staff and and the local cops and everything geared more for stopping, you know, acts of vandalism and and theft, not the wholesale destruction and, and invasion of 
a, a you know rampaging herd of bull elephants, and so the forces, the Mars defense forces, were quickly, and I mean within hours, um, uh, relegated to evacuating and sheltering in place into um, the bunkers that had been previously constructed in case of uh, global cataclysms like asteroid strikes that had been built by the ICC and manning orbital defenses the few that did exist around Sidonia Sidonia being the area uh, or the territory where the largest and most well defended colony and bunker labyrinth was constructed um, given the coincidence that n- roughly the 90% of all structures on Mars were subterranean to begin with, there existed a massive labyrinthian system of subways and tunnels and bunkers and storage units and reserves. And very quickly, the entirety of Mars was put into a defensive um, standpoint, hoping that the Solar Warden... Uh, the ICC and you know Astro High Command could come and, and and liberate the colonists, the ICC um, officials, the you know population of Mars. Once the communicate, once it was found that this was occurring, because a part of the Orion Draco invasion or at least attack on Mars, as they appeared, was the you know suppression electronically of any communications going in and out, destruction of all satellites that were orbiting Mars, the destruction of all ships, you know, that were quickly, if they if they did not retreat immediately, quickly, quickly become overwhelmed by the uh, sheer firepower and uh, prestige of the Orion Draco or uh, naval fleet the service level because the orbital um, orbital defense stations were working overtime and the majority of the ground forces uh, expended to defend them and the civilian populations which are now um, you know sheltering inside these uh, bunkers the planet itself was ravaged the surface glassed the colonies that were unlucky enough to be on the far fringes, uh, unlucky enough not to be evacuated or unlucky enough to be poorly defended, um, were immediately invaded. Um, local populations liquidated, um, eaten, for lack of a better word. Alex Collier, um, Ken can, can attest to this, even though I believe that the, the timelines that he was on were much different. Um, I do know that, that the Martian uh, population was almost overnight, almost within one one actual you know Martian night, um, almost completely destroyed by half. Out of 3 million colonists, it was 1.5 million, 1.5 million casualties in the first hours, the first Martian hours. The first, by the first Martian sunrise, 
the population was cowering, sheltering in place, desperate, and equally trying to hide and to um, not give off any signals of life for the now completely dominating Ryan Draco uh, fleets than they were as much making defiant last stands and attacking with the furiosity of a cornered animal. Although there were great moments of sacrifice, heroism, um, valiant uh, valor and and ferocity on humanity's uh, side it was as equal a points as uh, a wholesale mechanical slaughter a reptilian slaughter a cold unemotional violence that spared none and struck each without discrimination elderly children men, women, combatants civilians all were liquidated and had rendered down the Ryan Draco that were being observed by local forces were being reported as not understanding why human beings were there having a familiarity with human beings as a species but not having seemingly prior knowledge that the Martian colonists were there prior to this seemingly uh, first Meeting between the Orion Draco and any kind of, of extraterrestrial human being, extra, uh, you know, interplanetary human being, the um, most significant um, factor that slowed down the Orion Draco's advance seemed to be them collecting information and collecting intelligence on the colonies themselves as they invaded them, meaning that they were taking much longer on the ground to thoroughly process and to acquire intelligence that they would normally have already understood and known given their advancement of technology. Uh, I know it sounds bizarre to fixate on that as a very important part of it, but it is because this is just is even more credit and um, and and validation of the idea that the Orion Draco had these Orion Draco or from a reality where human beings did not evolve into be an interstellar species or did not evolve to be um, an off-planet species or interplanetary species um, a spacefaring species um, a, a, an ascendant species uh, that while understanding where human beings were that the variations in the timeline um, could easily have produced a reality where the Orion Draco never ceased to dominate mankind and that mankind never gained its freedom. It's just food for thought. As the Orion Draco uh, processed and, and came to conquer the surface of Mars, uh, remember the, the colonies were very... Uh, widespread, and even though the Orion Draco had the domination of the atmosphere and the orbit, 
the ground fighting took um, its toll on the Orion Jaco, at least in terms of distracting and having to be further micromanaged. Because the labyrinthian tunnel systems, the underground fortifications, etc., of Mars, many of the colonists, um, you know, were able to entrench themselves deep, deep underground, setting up uh, booby traps, setting up demolitions, setting up um, uh, a, a puzzle like traps, uh, labyrinthian mazes of, of defenses, automated turrets. Um, laser defense systems, uh, rigging things up with chemical, industrial solvents, etc., to poison and to discard, damage, uh, make impassable much of this terrain, as well as utilizing military technology for that um, classic example uh, in the underground subway tunnels and railways um, to park and position uh, battle tanks, normally seen on the deserts of Mars, the red sands of Mars. Uh, using them basically to serve as as um, as uh, gates with guns, you know, being able to maneuver in and out to allow certain traffic to enter and out. And these proved highly effective because even if destroyed, uh, if they weren't you know completely vaporized, then they served as debris, which made the the tunnels impassable. And a lot of the defensive armored combat that happened in in the Martian colonies at this time happened in the subterranean tunnels and caverns and and um, fortifications and lobbies or lobbies and, and everything that became fortifications um, general living areas and quarters that used to be like artificial forests and things for the subterranean colonists to uh, be employed or things like the barracks and, and the, the apartment uh, quarters living quarters would turn into uh, the sites of intense city fighting um, room from room to room you know street to street with with ultimately uh, nuclear weapons even being used underground in in some areas uh, specifically just to to uh, destroy the absolutely overwhelming amount of Orion Draco reptilians that were being deployed uh, into the Martian colony. While this was slowing them down, and even though this was obviously within the first, you know, few days of it, the defeat was, uh, was inevitable. Defeat was unquestionably inevitable. The Martian colonists were hoping to be reinforced and to be rescued by the Solar Warden fleets and by the Astra High Command and by the ICC. Now, the Astra High Command was was completely preoccupied in the uh, defense of the internal domain by creating the Indigo Shield, uh, creating their psychic shield. The Solar Warden fleet rallied but upon rallying realized the scale and the scope of danger that Earth was presented in and prioritized the defense of Earth setting up a concentric layer of rings around Earth and focusing on creating a 360 degree perimeter of 
well placed because you call it uh, advanced warfare type checkpoints where systems of electronic warfare and uh, direct energy weapons, rail guns, etc. can be concentrated from highly defended areas using the moon as uh, a defensive uh, you know, barrier point and logistics center, basically. Using it as the fortress for the Earth, or at least the, the, uh, the star fort for the Earth and the base of operations for the Earth defense. Instead of rescuing Mars, instead of rushing to the, to the uh, aid of the Martian colonists, it chose to prepare to distribute its own forces um, to alert and to mobilize its reserves without distracting itself or sparing itself or sending any of its forces on what was obviously a suicide mission into the maw of this force. The ICC being um, a commercial fleet by design but having armored ships itself by having its own um, security patrols, its own fleet and a very experienced crew very experienced um, a membership inside its secret space program The also with technologies higher advanced uh, AI etc but by treaty not allowed to have any conventional weaponry not any percentage that would classify itself as a, as a military wing by any by any comparative standards compared to Solar Warden or the Nautilus um, was able to create a flotilla in attempt to reach Mars with at least reinforcements to create some kind of rescue attempt for survivors this fleet was doomed by its very destiny to be forced to just well itself being only comprised of less than a hundred ships and being a very small fraction of the ICC's total uh, number of vessels at its disposal these men were very brave. These men and women were very um, skilled and, and very disciplined. And while their organization is ignoble, their purpose was very noble in the rescue and, and uh, sanctity of human life. Little is known about their actual fate, but the hundred ships that were sent to actually descend upon Mars' surface and break through the, the, the armada at least to get as close as possible you know I, everyone wants to say that it wasn't a suicide mission because there were avenues and windows of opportunity in which it could have descended and engaged it became one of the greatest losses of life of human vessels and vehicles in any one given mission in Earth's 
very young solar, uh, I mean, I, secret space programs, basically. It's one of the greatest losses of life in, in, in personnel and vehicles, with only one ship returning to the interior, to Earth. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm not an ICC specialist. I, I, I can't say for certain what kinds of ships, the number of crew was, that were sent, the weaponry aboard, what their tactics were, what their intentions were as an objective, as a mission, their their plan. You know, I can't say for sure what their specifics were, but I can tell you that the goal was to try to rescue and, and retrieve as much capital and as much as many colonists as possible. This was a suicide mission, and it coincided with the fall of Mars, where the orbital guns went silent. The human population had survivors by the end of the the entire event, but they were buried after this last attack from the ICC trying to enter the uh, uh, Ryan Draco Armada's blockade of Mars. They were buried under kilometers of glass and molten rock, obsidian, that was left over by a combined orbital bombardment by the Orion Draco invasion forces. Some have theorized since the ICC entering into the area, their telemetry was... um, decoded or or calculated they were realized to be going to the main orbital defense station that was being left alone because of the attempts to take it on the ground realizing that the ICC was trying to you know in juncture not only were they destroyed but the battery itself was destroyed and with it the last defensive um, abilities of the Martian colonists. Mars had fallen within a matter of days. The Orion Draco also must have inferred through the data where the ICC fleet had arrived from Earth and turning their attention towards Earth traced their their path although the the obvious conclusion is that they would have eventually came to Earth with as much force as the they did when after the ICC or before the ICC without the ICC or with the ICC's intervention I also think that due to the ICC being a lightly armored and not, uh, even though this was the best of their military, you know, flotilla, this is the flower of their military, basically, their military might, their abilities, their armed, their armed ships, armed vessels, armed crew that were sent on this suicide raid, that this was mistaken by this rogue Orion Draco fleet 
as being indications that the Earth, even though it had uh, surprisingly reached this point, was not a particularly dangerous or sophisticated or advanced um, society of interstellar travelers of, of interplanetary uh, you know society or civilization at least not with the capabilities technological capabilities to even compete or compare to the forces currently at their disposal this manifested itself in the fact that the Orion Draco, even though they possessed long-distance weaponry, uh, began to approach the Earth without caution, without a serious initial orbital bombardment or long-distance bombardment, but rather a staging of its forces into a landing um, uh, element into a spearhead or a landing force and that wasn't optimally organized as if it were approaching a hostile um, enemy capable of defending itself but rather as if you were to create a landing element that was meant to secure and to control a beachhead of an un... how do I express this? How um, unoccupied territory in a way that if you were first approaching an unknown island that you didn't think had people on it or had any inhabitants on it you would approach it a certain way. Maybe more relaxed, maybe more uh, less self-aware less uh, um, paranoid or um, less urgent than if you think it had people, especially if those people you don't think wanted uh, trespassing or, or visitors and were going to defend that beachhead were going to defend that island from any foreign invader the casualness of it, the the um, arrogance of it, will forever echo in the timeline in in creating the destiny of the outcome of the events because the Orion Draco had sufficient force to really win this invasion to, to destroy Solar Warden, to destroy the Earth Alliance if they had handled themselves in a more defensive and uh, self-aware manner lacking any real intelligence of it and resorting to their default arrogance of their force of arms and of their evil cruelty, their nature and I guess riding high on the indulgences of the destruction of the Mars colony and the ICC uh, rescue efforts, they allowed themselves to assemble and not take um, any precautions to visibility or to um, 
issues of speed or, or arrangement, and thus the first attack and volley delivered after this point was the Earth Alliance being able to literally get the surprise and first shot with these newly developed scalar weapons, these newly developed laser weapons, as I previously mentioned, developed in the 90s and kept under beyond top secret black budget programs. And in doing so, changed the, 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 the tide and the momentum of the conflict. It really began to hammer the nails into the coffin of this Amada, into this Orion Draco fleet. The defenses of Earth were made up of three concentric layers with deep, um, deep space uh, stations, uh, life support type of ring stations. Um, with railguns forming a network around the Earth at its furthest uh, perimeter. The second perimeter, which would be lined with the orbit of the moon, 200,000 miles out, was um, basically anchored into the moon as a, as a, a base of operations using railguns and laser stations as well as a armament of nuclear missiles kept on the moon to um, defend Earth as well as to provide for any logistical operations between fleets and vessels as well as to use it the moon itself given that it's made of titanium and uh many other extreme dur- extremely durable metals given that it is artificial it is a battle station created by an extraterrestrial fleet that use it as a shield from any incoming attacks the third and because you call it closest perimeter line was um literally within low earth orbit itself made up of our defensive satellites made up of ground a surface of earth based weaponry such as the radar domes the SETI system direct energy weapons um, located at white sands located across the world in various locations Um, the ICBM batteries that we have Everything from U.S. naval weaponry um, being, you know, engineered to to allow it to reach to the lower Earth orbit, you know, uh, Sea Dragon rockets, etc. ICC ships that were being armed to serve as either gunships or to uh, serve as suicide, um, like basically fireboats, fire vessels. Uh, we were shoring up the numbers including retrofitting or redesigning, re-engineering fighter planes to be able to operate in zero-g environments and to operate uh, with individual self-sustaining life support systems 
um, so that we could, say, for example, scramble F-15s, launch them through a, a mass driver into lower Earth orbit, and perform dogfights. This was the last perimeter of defense before literally there was no more outer space and now was in the atmosphere and on the surface of the Earth. This, these three perimeters, these three um, uh, lines of defense was what was prioritized rather than the rescuing and relief and um, salvation of the Martian colonists. So their sacrifice did not go in vain. Their sacrifice was necessary to allow us to survive long enough and distract them long enough to not see us mobilize um, across the surface of our world. One can believe in intelligent design or higher power or that everything happens for a reason. Causality, where everything that has happened forces everything that is going to happen to happen, thus creating a string of relevance to all things, motivations, causations, desires, but Every event that played out during the Orion Draco invasion of Mars around 2001 pays off when examined to the ultimate defense of the Earth from a force that by itself could have, if not taken over the, the, the world, taken over the Earth and, and seriously maybe even forced an extinction level event on the surface of the level of the earth wiping out humanity in the long run but actually mathematically should have that that analytically was the superior force that analytically if they had approached it as a full serious war engagement or, or, or violent engagement interstellar engagement that humanity was not ready or organized or in placed or even properly um, disciplined or, or trained enough or, or educated enough in the exopolitics or the tactics or strategies the doctrines of interstellar warfare or, or colonization to have um, you know simply survived simply let alone prevailed and and been victorious but this was the first of many of the uh, Ryan Draco errors of calculation uh, hubris arrogant action and mistake that saw the victory for the Earth Alliance that, that, that paved the way for the defeat of the Orion Draco Reptilians. As they entered Earth's orbit, the first perimeter was crossed. As I mentioned before, the first salvo delivered in the defense of Earth was Earth attacking the Orion Draco fleet that had failed to take any precaution, that failed to take any um, defensive maneuver or had any kind of uh, contingency simply for the fact that it was rushing now headlong to descend upon Earth's orbit. This is at a distance approximately 100 miles 
100 million miles, sorry, 100 million miles out of Earth's orbit with no major cosmic bodies, planets, moons uh, orbiting stations to hide the Orion Draco had to rely on crossing a no-man's land while returning fire uh, and reorganizing their ships, the elements of their, their armada to better protect their more valuable and uh, defensive elements because they had not created this arrangement before the time that it took to literally arrange themselves in a defensive position allowed us a lot of valuable shots into critically undefended, vulnerable areas of their ships. And within a, this is a very, is a nature of this war, within a matter of moments, the ships that had previously involved themselves in, in, in this destruction of Mars saw themselves ripped to tatters um, hundreds of ships in the Orion Draco flotilla and the Armada uh, were, were destroyed um, um, left unsalvageable um, uh, left unpowered uh, drifting hulks in, uh, hulks in space basically drifting wreckage and shipwrecks in space um as this saw them express, you know, need to have this urgency to cross the line, return fire, the undefended space stations around this area mostly were lost due to counterattacks, scrambling of their, um, I guess you call it the analogies of their jet fighters, destroyers, frigates, protective ships, um, armor, offensive armaments, uh, shields um, that would return any kind of direct energy weaponry fire um, um, within a matter of, of exchanges between Earth forces and the Orion Draco. The Orion Draco were still on their course and, and on their speed to reach Earth, but were now being whittled down, now being shaved down ship after ship with each salvo taking down dozens of ships but each salvo being returned or being answered by, by return fire by return um, attack and engagement to the loss of space stations methodically each and every single space station on the third perimeter was either depowered uh, engaged and and uh, neutralized but not lost or completely destroyed and we will never forget or pay our debts to the men who sacrificed their lives the men and women who sacrificed their lives on these space stations uh, turning them into uh, floating fortresses turning them into uh, deep space fortresses Alamos uh, you know, each and every one of them. Same situation where, where it was men, women on the frontier in the wilderness um, defending their their home with their lives, uh, trying to score um, a crippling amount of, of loss of, of life against the enemy before themselves being completely overrun and, and uh, destroyed.
by this uh, alien invader. By the time they had gone to the third range, they were entering the second. And by this time had already become in in had basically entered the envelope, the range of the defenses of the second perimeter, which was on the based on the moon, and the first perimeter combined. With the mobilized efforts of the eight I guess you call them um, interplanetary carriers, the eight fleet carriers. Because remember, everything operational from ground forces to uh, life support elements to uh, you know weapon missiles, uh, missile manufacturers, three um, D printer factories, uh, you know everything from your from your bomber squadrons which range in the dozens, by the way, dozens of aircraft each, dozens of, or dozens of spacecraft each, dozens of these squadrons inside each of these carriers, even small carriers, smaller um, frigates, uh, destroyers, all belong to these battle groups, all belong to these fleets, with eight central flagships for these eight different fleets. They were all mobilized and performing their own actions, uh, in communication and coordination with each other, setting up complex flanking maneuvers, setting up defensive uh, withdrawals and uh, skirmishes on the rear and uh, flanks of the Orion Draco as they were trying to extend themselves, you know, for to better position themselves to, to both avoid and to... Uh, neutralize the Earth's defenses. And they were doing this as soon as the third perimeter was broken. They were doing this as soon as the third perimeter had fallen. Um, the Solar Warden became extremely engaged with it. ICC became extremely mobilized, um, sending out their freighters packed with explosive material, sending out their freighters armed um, to the teeth with laser weaponry that was literally installed hours before, days before, um, freshly manned crews of automata and uh, lobotomized clones that were being sent to simply disrupt and perform suicide ramming missions um, to disrupt any kind of clusters or defense. And by this time, the Orion Draco started to be broken up. They started being broken up into three main um, battle groups that, you know, from originally from the first one, as their numbers started depleting, as they started trying to escape the withering fire that was now being directed at them from a seemingly 360 degree radius. And they're still approaching Earth. You know, we can't physically stop them until the ICC wall is, is of. of Basically, suicide kamikaze freighters is is pushed in front of them, and that's the only thing that kind of makes them actually reverse uh, their, their their momentum and separate into these three different groups. And by that time, the limits of our ships are becoming pronounced. The limits of our uh, actual squadron sizes, the actual number of our ships, is becoming extremely pronounced. Remember, twelve thousand Orion Draco vessels. Comparatively, we have eight main large capital flagships, like eight dreadnought-type carriers, 
and they have hundreds of these same analogy-sized uh, ships. They have billions of Orion Draco cap- uh, able to answer any kind of mobilization efforts and landing crews to, um, you know, serving as fighter pilots, bomb pilots, etc. We, at our very most, are able to muster in the low millions. So even though we are attacking and harassing and, uh, and, and acting like a lathe, able to carve down this massive um, um, armada of, of ships entering into our uh, orbit they're still making progress to the point that we can't really um, stop them we, I mean I, I say this now because I remember just how emotional it obviously was we can't stop them as they are forming themselves into a spear point regardless if they are destroyed the exteriors are destroyed the less the less important the less vital ships are being offered up seemingly to our defenses at this time and as we are distracted with the attempt of destroying them to get the, the numbers um, to down on their side to get the casualties up on their side that we are not realizing that they're buying time, they're distracting us as they are able to crush further and further into um, our, our orbit, regardless of how much direct energy weaponry we're putting at them, despite the, the amount of lasers, despite the amount of uh, you know missiles, torpedoes, um, fighter squadrons that are bombing um, their capital ships, Regardless of the amount of fire that they're returning, the amount of ships they are destroying, uh, you know, it, it's it's a matter of that if each Solar Warden fighter got a uh, hundred enemy reptilian um, fighters just splashed down, bogies destroyed, they would still have thousands more to replace them while we would only have 10 or a dozen per squadron this this is absolutely the, the scale of what I'm talking about so eventually the decision was made um, as inevitable to not sacrifice or, or destroy or, or perform any actions that would put in peril or risk the main battle groups these 8 ships could not stop them, could not stop this armada. So it was ordered that they did not allow themselves to be destroyed in the counterattacks that we were performing. So the priority, once again, was not made to make one last great stand, but to be wiser and to realize that if we fight and run away, if we do the, the hit-and-run tactics and allow them the Orion Draco to make further progress into our defenses we can fight for longer and it's not a matter of pride but it's a matter of victory this was an important calculated decision made by the highest highest chain of command from the Ash, from the Atlantis Rising Union government in its decision on how to handle Earth's first alien invasion.
and we'll be getting into that invasion as we come back after this musical intermission. Thank you very much for your patience. You guys got a lot of guts. Namaste. Aloha. Hope you're enjoying the musical interlude, the musical intermission on this very serious subject. I've chosen Maurice Volta. Hope everyone's enjoying it. So, where we left off was the breach of the second defensive perimeter. Entering into high Earth orbit, low Earth orbit, and eventually down to ground level. To the surface of the Earth. As the fleet was directing itself, it became very clear that they were aiming for Antarctica. Mobilizing themselves in a manner, if which you would believe in the 3D type of orientation of zero G warfare, space, you know, naval engagements. Um, down the enemy's gate is down. If if using the, the terminology of Ender's Game, if you're familiar with that. The idea of perpetual orientation of north, east, west, and south, but also up and down, uh, being completely selective. They were invading and entering into um, the Earth by spearheading themselves into the Antarctic Circle directly into the South Pole, where the Taurus, the magnetic Taurus of the Earth is literally weakest, and it can enter without a lot of um, natural interference. Basically, a the hole in the ozone that is positioned on the South Pole is this hole. It's a window. This was fortunate for us because they were not trying to run against the um, distribution of populations on the surface of the earth at the time. They were not trying to appear over, say, the skies of South America, uh, Brazil, or, um, you know, Mexico City. They were trying to appear in a place with very little, if not any, um, civilian population. So, as the engagements became more visible, obviously, this was very less detectable. It was far less detectable, you know, um, than, than it would otherwise have been. That's one aspect of it being beneficial. The second aspect of it being beneficial is the fact that the Earth's defenses, the direct energy defenses, the railguns, had been established around these entrance points. There's one in the North Pole, there's one in the South Pole. 
also around the equator. We're the ones on the equator, the defensive satellites, the defensive radar arrays, the defensive railguns can reach out and aim outward uh, from the surface uh, to protect the equator, but also orient themselves to, um, you know, provide basically a perimeter of orbiting cannons. The polar pyramidal defenses are fixed, they're geostationally fixed. And they basically are like a gauntlet, a port, a defended port, into and out of the Earth. For any vehicles or vessels of size. This would aid in our defense of the planet because it would multiply and increase the the casualties we would be able to inflict on the armadas but as they were coming in in three distinct elements three distinct groups of, of um, varying sizes and capabilities and our forces were limited even though this was the strongest uh, most intensely well defended area in Earth's orbit still was insufficient barring a suicidal last stand by the eight surviving now reduced to six fully operational two having been um, critically uh, uh, damaged in the defensive actions leading up to the running basically the running battles leading up to this point I'm trying to to really uh, inform or express the fact that all of this is in a timeline of the Orion Draco ships making progress through the physical distance of space, you know, and as every mile they're crossing and getting closer and nearer to Earth, the intensity of this running mobilization and effort of defense against them uh, you know mounts in both desperation and in seizing of opportunities and of uh, trying to gather intelligence as well as make predictions and this is made possible by the AI supercomputers that run Solar Ward and that run the breakaway civilization and the defenses of the earth helped in part by reverse engineering crashed alien computers known as spheres, uh, known as kinos and that these AI, these alien spheres that have been found distributed across both Earth and many other places like the moon and Mars itself um, were basically housed in several areas on Earth on the surface during this time as they had been since their first discovery and of course their later research and, and operations one of the places that the government hides the breakaway civilizations technolo technologically research centers laboratories uh, and uh, developments like manufacturing facilities um, is in plain sight in highly public areas uh, metropolitan areas for example LAX is a assembly line for space planes and New York City in 
the World Trade Centers um, was the housing of the AI computers that had been recovered from alien ships discovered on the bottom of the ocean and the ancient ruins, etc. It was where laboratories were housed, where research could be conducted on them, and um, the mobilizations of efforts. They could use subway tunnels, they could use the Hudson River, they could use the New York port, New York Harbor. They could use the massive populations of foreigners to excuse traffic as well as, say, for example, any um, traveling dignitaries or, or financiers would fit right in. And they housed it in the World Trade Center, um, the Towers 1 and 2, ultimately. They housed them actually in the towers uh, under the guise of, you know, the corporations that would actually having their offices there as well as being completely off the books in several cases. You know, the true floor plan was uh, one of the greatest illusions of, of the construction effort uh, because it was actually contracted through organized crime, etc. But the point is the World Trade Centers were uh, breakaway civilization uh, headquarters basically. In many ways, they were they were shellings, the shell casings were transmission towers that were hooked up to these AI supercomputers that were relaying information around the world during the defensive operations and leading up to it decades before. The Orion Draco are advanced technologically enough to know, a, you know, the the true academic of a, a you know warfighter to know these other domains, these invisible domains like uh, electronic warfare, for example. And using counter electronic warfare methods, they were able to trace back, or first of all, pinpoint and then trace back the true nature of the chain of command and the true nature of the digital um, wireless communications that we were using, you know, as a planetary defense, given the fact that they were operating completely on, for example, what you would call the, uh, the back footing or their, their heel, in which they were discovering us as a hostile defensive-like world as they were approaching us while we were fully aware of their capabilities due to our prior intelligence on their part. So by the time they had entered this last and, and uh, the final, um, the closest, you know, most intense, the defensive perimeter, they were just then starting to implement jamming techniques and counter uh, signals intelligence, scrambling communications, trying to decipher codes, uh, encryptions, etc. And they were doing this while also suffering heavy casualties and losses, so it became imperative for them to act on a way to reduce the, the effectiveness of these signals, of these uh, electronic, uh, uh, basically, uh, master stations. These... Uh, mainframes doing so they, they basically used a scalar weapon a direct energy weapon in conjunction with a how do I put this 
suicidal teleportation into our atmosphere. That caused such disturbance surrounding the ship that it was mistaken for a hurricane. And because at this point all media and information on the line and, and on television was completely controlled by the military intelligence uh, complex, the breakaway civilizations, uh, you know, uh, Gestapo and, and Capos down here on Earth, this reserve, the Pentagon, that that's exactly how it was reported on the news that if anyone would see these clouds, these meteorological disturbances, they would assume that it was this hurricane in the Atlantic during the months of September 2001 AD. Now, it wasn't a Ryan Draco ship. It was suicidal because at this point, it was directly in the line of sight for most of the planetary defenses but within range of the other cannons, the railguns scalar uh, scalar uh, radar dish satellites, etc. but still its fate was almost completely sealed once it was in a position where attacking it would both maintain this operation, this event secrecy as well as guarantee no collateral damage. The ship, I'm not going to designate it a class. It was not one of their flagships. It was not one of their capital ships. It was a smaller frigate in their fleet, but still much larger than, say, even our interplanetary carriers. It was made of mostly biological material. And the another aspect for why um, it was a suicide mission is the creature actually has a respiratory... The, the, the ship itself has a respiratory life support system that is not as efficient or as sufficient as ours in foreign hostile environments, um, especially because of the density change on Earth that has occurred that prevents Orion Draco from breathing our atmosphere, from living without uh, you know uh, radiation suits to contain enough high enough radiation to keep themselves thriving. They, they, they actually do die um, every moment they are dying. It's like a vertical limit for them, just like a man is not meant to live on the tops of mountains uh, because the air is too thin and uh, the temperature too cold, reptilian dracos have that same exposure damage, that same um, uh, life support failure. Biologically, they cannot help it. You know, I say biologically, they, this is fatal of an environment currently, given its lack of radiation, its lack of heat, its its near Arctic conditions globally. Uh, compared to, comparative to their preferred, you know, temperament and everything. So, 
the perverted environment in ecology. And radiologically, you know, they, they suffer from a lack of radiation, just like we suffer from an overexposure of radiation. This doesn't seem to have been factored in, though, by the Orion Draco. Said so this is not a this is not a, a proof of their expertise or courage or bravery. It just seems to be another foolish mistake of their calculations. So, by the time they entered our atmosphere and became uh, started targeting the world trade centers, which house the mainframe for these AI supercomputers, these spheres. Um, they, the ship itself started to literally die. The ship itself started to literally die of radiation um, uh, um, underexposure or radiation starvation and, and, and basically started to kind of freeze and, and, and die. And so it became extremely you know, uh, weakened and, and inefficient um, the longer it was in, in our presence, and <laughs> it was just had enough energy enough to to actually create the direct energy attack. Now you might be saying that it's a long way out of its way to Antarctica. Remember, it had to basically jump between the Armada segment that it was a part of into our atmosphere without overextending and entering our oceans or overextending and entering our very surface and mantle. And this is a demonstration of extremely advanced technology. Making uh, it extra urgent because it was a matter of life and death. The risk it took and and the, the fact that it was still successful in its mission against these towers is extremely impressive regardless of the fact that its current fate is as a recovered piece of uh, technology from this encounter its crew entirely faded and, and, and doomed to a to a watery grave in the Atlantic the North Atlantic um, the ship has already been recovered this happened 20 years ago and, and the fact that the ship itself has been recovered in a near intact state allowing us to reverse engineer it and to create our own uh, armadas of the same caliber of biological um, biotechnology you know it, that's one of those uh, not, that's another one of those very fortunate uh, failures on our enemy the Orion Draco's part but our success as a species as a fated to achieve victory in the scenario and it's helped out the greater long term breakaway civilization secret space programs especially helping out um, the long term dominance of Solar Warden because now they can produce ships like the Notwaffen and the Dark Fleet with this hybrid Orion Draco technology reverse engineered to serve the purposes of the human race but yes the um, world or also the geography of the world is not what they show you on maps the geography of the world is actually uh, a little stranger than the ones that always show North America geostationally where it is presumably in a uh, fixed position of northern latitudes of the northern hemisphere 
northern western hemisphere. It actually, if conventionally understood, a map is in the southern hemisphere. The western hemisphere being reverse, being a reverse image. The, the western hemisphere that you see on most conventional maps, most atlases, most globes, being a reverse image of the true western hemisphere where the North American continent, I, I use that in quotation marks, the quote-unquote uh, United States, Canada, and Mexico, are actually nearer to the South Pole and nearer to the Antarctic than Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, and Argentina, which are actually closer geologically to the North Arctic Circle where bilaterally they would be closer to England and they would be closer to Spain than the quote-unquote United States, Canada, Mexico, North America, which would be laterally closer to South Africa, laterally closer to Africa, laterally closer to the Indian Ocean than it would be the uh, Arctic Ocean. That caveat being out of the way, the... The, that makes more sense when you actually put into context how much distance they were traveling. Um, as I said before, the Earth is extremely large and very well defended, but these axis to Antarctica is actually what we would consider the axis to our North Pole. But in our truth, what we consider the North Pole conventionally is actually the South Pole, Canada being uh, an extremely southern continent, being, being where we would think traditionally Argentina and Chile. Chile geographically exist existed so the Orion Draco destruction of the AI that commanded the uh, Earth Alliance breakaway civilization military forces that was codenamed Operation Defensive Bias we had Operation Offensive Bias and Operation Defensive Bias Operation Offensive Bias um was still operational that is existent in Area 51 and I believe that the attempt was also made on Area 51's um, AI installation I just believe that it had um, more intense defenses than even NYC um, given it's it's you know access, if you were, to reverse technologies, and the fact that, um, you know, the, 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 the fortunes, the fates, you know, just, the, the fates just uh, played out that way. Like I said, I, this occurred when I was 14, and, and I'm trying my best as a researcher and as a journalist and as a uh, you know, intellectual to kind of summarize and to intellectualize this without getting emotional. But there was a raid, I, I'm very strongly uh, believing of Area 51, that was not successful. Thus, they were only, you know, able to basically destroy our defensive AI and not, not our, AI, our offensive AI, which had to then now shoulder the total responsibility of creating a coherent and complete uh, victory stratagem. Remember, in real time, in real time as they are spearheading into the uh, lower Earth orbit from the higher Earth orbit, 
and weathering uh, defensive fire from rail guns, laser installations, scalar, uh, you know, Tesla howitzers, um, plasma charge, uh, you know, uh, arcs, um, the the combined bombing and drone attacks from um, the eight capital carrier ships and and the many subcarrier um, drone carrier fleets, the many um, ICC suicide uh, ships that have been that were freighters lined and armed with explosives sent at the maximum speed into the heart of the Orion Draco elements into uh, the largest ships possible. And at the same time, they, the Orion Draco are returning fire with their direct energy weapons, with their solid state weapons, with their um, radiological weapons, with their lasers, with their uh, virological weapons, with their, you know, uh, uh, different elements of amphibious marine assaults and uh, docking actions. So the eight capital ships, because... Now they've been reduced to six, two of them severely damaged in these actions because of this counterattack, which were safely not, uh, they were not lost, but they were safely uh, able to retreat and recovered, uh, you know, to much of the great loss of life that these events had, they were not absolutely uh, the worst case scenario. Um, we knew a counterattack. The AI had decided on a counterattack being the best method for finally being able to um, defeat, or at least the, 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 with the idea that mankind was fighting this fight solo, which at this point it had, and had been fighting this, uh, this, this fight against incredible odds with an opponent that should have on paper, if they had seized the opportunities and approached with um, uh, more efficiency, rendered us um, defeated rendered us um, uh, powerless against the, what the armament they did bring to bear and so unable to completely stop in, in accepting this and being adaptable and, and, and um once again, leaving leaving maybe up to divine intervention and fate. The Tao, the way, the Zen, the Zen handling of it, uh, the higher dimensional element of it, at least from the human perspective of it, that the Orion Draco, now the Armada being originally 12,000 ships, now being riddled down to maybe, or weathered down, uh, late down to a few hundred descended into Antarctica the Antarctic defenses had not been really established the few main bases that existed were more than what was publicly known garrisoning a few thousand special forces um, you know localized machinery technology networks but otherwise powerless to intervene and just observe the ground forces, the the status quo forces, their special forces, the top secret clarity, uh, clearance level having forces, um, the breakaway civilization liaisons, 
the ICC, etc., were able to mobilize private military companies, um, creating a massive mobilization of man and material to blockade and cordon off the Antarctic uh, island while itself was able, the breakaway civilization itself was then able to come back around and create a defensive perimeter and dome now above the Orion Draco keeping them locked into the Antarctic um, continent, basically against a rock of ice and and stone and um, a hard place in the direct energy weaponry, kinetic energy weaponry, explosives, uh, depleted uranium, railgun rounds, tungsten, rods of God, because now the genius behind this was to have the th- the whatever was left of the three defensive perimeters able to concentrate and to mobilize, bringing them all within range of the now concentrated, you know, elements of the Orion Draco, who were busy landing and creating a beachhead of secured perimeters by landing their ships, which would, you know, then provide the defensive structures for them to mobilize, we would think, it was thought at the moment, into a defensive, um, um, foolishly chosen um, beachhead that would uh, serve as their grave and Antarctica would be their 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 tombstone because they wouldn't ha- they didn't adequately we thought they mistakenly pick this area, not choosing not knowing the environment was um, perfectly suited to 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 defend the earth on because of the lack of collateral damage that was available for us this you know uh, making our attacks basically free, uh, trigger free, you know, basically uh, there was no hesitancy to use weapons of mass destruction or to concentrate fire uh, over a sustained amount of time, Uh, not like you would see in a populated area or in an urbanized uh, nation or country or or even a, a valuable natural resource area, but would also prove to be, you know, unusable for their own defenses. This was a mistake. They had intentionally chosen Antarctica, regardless of the fact that they chose Antarctica based on their knowledge of Antarctica in their timeline, or their separate multiverse, or had known that Antarctica was currently the way it was, regardless. And remember I said the the ships begin to die in the Arctic, the close to Arctic environments that the Earth provides nowadays. So the ships, as they were landing, were giving their last energies into boring holes with direct energy weapons, with their own mechanical uh, device, you know, machinery, using themselves as power sources, etc. Not to create shelters or to create, uh, you know, these bases that the ships can can dual function as these manufactorium, these, uh, you know defensive bunkers, etc., that the ships themselves can be, be can be converted into the beginnings of a, a sub city, the beginnings of a, a civilization, from the very warships that they, they pilot. 
they travel on. And remember, the numbers ranged from a billion when they had 12,000 ships to um, now in the millions, but still sufficient. And we're talking 10 to 30 million Orion Drago that are now currently boring and excavating their way, digging their way literally into Antarctica under the kilometers of ice that had previously been impassable or impossible to excavate by mankind into what we had already discovered but couldn't access cities, bunkers, structures left over from the previous Orion Draco um, rule, the previous Orion Draco rulership of the Earth. They reached these and were able to activate them, enter them, and then from that area, this is where shit gets real because this is where we start losing a little bit of control the, uh, because the intelligence that we had was right in a way that this was the best case this was the best uh, chance we had to completely concentrate and then destroy the Orion Draco forces you know by letting them enter our orbit letting them go to Antarctica letting them land and then letting the ships basically uh, you know handling them on the ground rather than handling them where they they were actually superior in the depths of space in these zero-g environments and both because the materials they're made of um, you know are incredibly uh, impervious to to damage but also that their offensive technology their weaponry is you know more advanced and actually superior to ours in ship-to-ship engagements etc uh, the only reason that we were able to inflict such heavy casualties on this invading armada is because we always were able to gain the first attack. And it's very much a, it doesn't matter what caliber of a bullet shoots you, as long as you're, sh- as long as you're shooting first, uh, you have an edge in a gunfight. You know, it doesn't matter if the, if the soldier you're fighting has a larger, you know, caliber weapon and has more advanced body armor as long as you are shooting him first you know the odds are in your favor you know it's better it's the best uh, best case scenario for you you know is to shoot first and then you know to roll the dice and see where they lay see how they land and that's exactly what happened we rolled the dice we were able to shoot first we were able to get the upper hand and make them defensive in their invasion of our planet and there is a doctrine or rule would suggest that uh, defending a planet is uh, on a magnet it is about ten times easier than attacking a planet, and the factors of ten increase with every uh, with every uh, aspect with every dimension of the attack. Such as you need to be, uh, you know, ten times more prepared to attack a planet than you than the person defending it you need a hundred times more um, ships you need a thousand times more men etc when it comes to literally attacking a planet because no matter if the force you're using is more advanced it's a numbers game it really is and no matter the fact that the uh, outer outer uh, space uh, colonies and Mars Mars colonies and uh Earth Alliance fleets such as Solar Warden, the ICC, and the Atlantis Rising 
were um, very limited in numbers comparatively, you know, very low in numbers comparatively. The home field advantage, the defensive structures, the nature of um, this this warfare, this this zero G naval warfare, uh, still um, provided the edge and the advantage for the defending forces. But where it becomes. Uh, Sideways, where where the Orion Draco surprised us, and where they become a little more than we can handle, even after the twelve thousand, even after the raising of Mars, even after the breaching of the three perimeters, even after the um, crippling of two capital ships, and the um, destruction of the World Trade Center, and the attack on uh, the mainland. Um, in true independent state fashion, you know, mothership inside a storm cloud uh, from space, you know, coming down to New York City and blasting it with a direct energy weapon. Um, regardless of all of this, we still were firmly in the the command of this invasion, this this command of this defense of the Earth. We were led by offensive uh, bias, uh, you know, poop who, who's as an AI was able to um, employ the philosophy that offense is the best strategy, uh, best defense is a good offense, and uh, offense is the best defense, and was was going to instill the chief commander of the Earth Alliance and the Breakaway Civilization Forces as the program has evolved and been updated. The um, situation, though, was when the Orion Draco began to activate the Antarctic defensive network in perimeter and activate the entire continent, giving them access to automated defenses, giving them access to control of many of the automated defenses and labyrinthian networks of bunkers in subterranean cities in the hollow earth from a previously unknown control room, some terminal and access point that was located at this Antarctic facility. What this did was awaken thousands and thousands of kaiju-sized Orion Draco-designed ancient biological weapons that had been kept in this hibernative state stasis inside a labyrinthian network of uh, bunkers and caverns originally designed by the Orion Draco and as a, as a way of terraforming the planet to put it simply in case they ever needed to re-terraform the planet after a disaster or a reset as a contingency for their own foresight into their personal apocalypses. How these Orion Draco who have no link to any existing war, clan, warlord, system lord, faction within the Empire or the Empire of known Orion Draco themselves knew about this control room, knew how to activate it, knew how to control it, 
is still a mystery to all but the highest in um, this astral, you know, classified intelligence, uh, classified secret, you know, um, you know, I don't even know, like, classification system uh, above, uh, you know, Omega Ultra, above Opal, above uh, Pyrite, above um, Obsidian, you know, top secret clearance, and that this level of Q clearance, and, and it's above Q, exactly, that only those Intel-Oni type people will ever, you know, Office of Naval Intelligence, uh, breakaway civilization types who actually maybe are AI themselves, will ever conclusively suspect without a doubt as to the, the origins of these Orion Draco, as I've already speculated before. But this through the world not immediately into chaos, but promised and ensured the fact that the Earth Alliance would be thrown into decades of actions and wars and defensive uh, measures against now a newly hostile and arisen Orion Draco seed of our destruction. Not immediately present, not immediately understood as to the great severity of what happened, but still enough that extraterrestrial forces, extraterrestrial intelligences, EI, extraterrestrial species, intervened just as they had done in the original liberation efforts. The Ashtar High Command had, in their decision-making, reached a consensus to drop the barrier that they had created at least momentarily and assume a direct interventionist aspect I suspect because this was just the beginning and the deeper and greater time and access to the bunkers the Orion Draco would have uh in this new Antarctic invasion that they would be able to gain uh, access and control of leftover defensive forces restarting grids, restarting terraforming processes that would explicitly extinct the human race before the human race was able to actually mobilize sufficient ground forces actually uh, do enough damage from orbit to prevent this it was a race against the clock and time was not on our side as they were able to access these long dormant defense systems that the Orion Draco had designed millennia before and mankind had existed without ever knowing anything about. These extraterrestrials in the Astra High Command, including Greys, including Elohim, including every representative species that we know their warfighting aspects their military aspects their fleets, their ships their warriors descended upon earth formed defensive grids around earth in a this time not direct energy way or a higher density way but an actual physical way and moved within the power of their might moved to destroy and annihilate with their weaponry, with their 
uh, personal actions, committing committing the Dharma themselves against the Orion Draco. The difference was night and day, and served as an indoctrination moment of the Earth Alliance to the power of the Galactic Federation of Light, and of specifically of the Ashtar High Command. The Ashtar High Command having proven themselves time and time again in other ways, in terms of technology, in terms of psychic ability, in terms of spiritual sciences, uh, the you know far superior and supreme extraterrestrial that mankind had ever encountered, and thus choosing itself. But this way, we were able to observe their military might, the devastation that they brought forward. able to participate the first in many coordinated hybrid warfare uh, war efforts against the enemy in this in this case the Orion Draco having engaged in this great purge and annihilation of this invading reading enemy and having become consumed in the moment without realizing that the unanswered questions as to the origins existence, identities greater context was being lost with each Orion Draco that was being slain that was being killed with each ship that was being destroyed And in sensing that, the Astra High Command did not prevent itself from doing this, did not order itself to cease, but in fact created a greater urgency. In fact, uh, far outpacing the advances of its human uh, cohorts, its human allies. and assuming direct control over the subterranean bunkers in Antarctica and preventing mankind from actually entering them during active hostilities, during the actual battles, during the actual engagements, the firefights, uh, the, the the clearing of these, the securing of these bunkers from Orion Draco forces. The Astra High Command did that almost solely, entirely by itself. But when the smoke cleared and the all clear was given, the Ashtar High Command was the only one standing. You know, its various intelligent races were the only one standing. The ruins would later be given over to the Breakaway Civilization's archaeologists and research programs. The technology that was recovered would later be reverse engineered and mass produced in the Breakaway Civilization program, bolstering and strengthening our efforts. Um, and going ironically back into rebuilding Earth's defenses stronger than before in this last 20 years. Um, I was 14 when I was participating in this war, when this, this invasion, and I was drawn out of the Ashtar High Command. Uh, their 
foreign exchange psychic training, the cultural exchange program, so that I may have performed my duties as uh, this aviation electrician, this aviation warfighting maintenance expert, and this coordinator of, you know, uh, drone um, combat craft, uh, manned combat craft, uh, squadron level uh, organizational authority, um, you know, logistics uh, capabilities, basically level 14, drawn away from the cultural education, the cultural communication, and um, and basically uh, um foster family of the Ashtar High Command on their one of their colony ships in, in a crystalline paradise as they would go to create the grid and I would be sent to the Solar Warden and to perform my duties and to uh, you know serve out my military career with the Solar Warden and going through the great traumatic experience that is real zero-g naval combat on board one of these eight flagship interplanetary aircraft carriers. Every day, obviously experiencing it, the different aspects of it, and being powerless, but being fully empowered in my potential as part of these crews. One cog in the greater machine of Earth defense. I'm not saying I was any authority or any mastery of the events that happened or participated. I'm trying to recall them and tell them my best and to um, summarize as academically as, as efficiently as possible. This, these last moments, though, of the engagement when the Astra High Command was clearing out the landed uh, elements these these uh, now subterranean elements of Orion Draco remember it was anywhere between 10 to 30 million estimated Orion Draco that were destroyed to a individual outright completely annihilated uh, by the allied Ashtar High Command including the Earth Alliance's ground forces, Solar Warden's ground forces, etc. The technology was retrieved, the experience gathered, the intel gathered, the training adjusted, simulations created to repro to, to program us to, to re-indoctrinate us in different tactics to examine the possibilities. Um, VR was created and we were thrust into living entire lifetimes of simulation inside these VR missions and that were specifically tailored around real events or, or hypothetical events or scenarios or different timelines of events regarding this invasion of Earth from this um, Orion Draco rogue fleet. Missions were sent out to various interstellar interplanetary um, territories to try to gather intelligence or material or um, to better understand the origins of said fleet. Remember, like I said, the Astra High Command destroyed them without any official explanation for this reality, for this for this destiny, for this timeline. 
besides the fact that we had in many ways passed the test of fighting for our own survival in a real life life and death uh, battle where our planet was vulnerable to complete annihilation and eradication now this directly changed our timeline because it directly hybridized us with the 4D black goo technology with the Orion Draco ships with the power increase in the Solar Warden and in Atlantis, Atlantis Rising um, with the ICC with uh, the Earth centric spirit with the breakaway civilization and with the cognitive pressures on the population at large, the population on the reserve who are kept not a part of the breakaway civilization, but, but away from the breakaway civilization. The world definitely changed for many, many people in many, many ways around 2001, specifically as direct consequences for this invasion, nothing being kept secret forever. The Mars colonies, for example, had to be repopulated, thus increasing cloning and my labs and secret space uh, program abductions. Uh, new members had to be literally bred uh, overnight to replace the millions that were lost on Mars and to make sure the defenses were built up quickly enough to prevent this from ever happening again. The local species on Mars have, were devastated. The local populations on Mars were devastated. The Martian landscape was forever changed. Um, terraforming efforts forever reversed. Um, and like I said, there the the idea of Mars being rebuilt back better. It's been rebuilt back bigger with more colonies, more populations, but in many ways it is now the ruins of ruins. It is absolutely um, almost inhospitable on the surface, whereas before, like I said, it was akin to walking for, like at a fort elevation of 14,000 feet. Difficult, but not impossible. Um, when aided with you know, gear, machinery, suits, etc. Not impossible at all. Now it's it's an incredibly hostile environment, and Mars needs to literally be built again from ground zero. Um, most of the subterranean colonies destroyed, most of the orbital defenses destroyed, etc. But the efforts are, you know, have been underway for the last 20 years, and and you know now there's even a further urgency, like. Uh, ants building the anthill even bigger and, and, and bolder in the face of any kind of danger. Um, humans building back bigger and better after disasters is uh, fundamentally a part of human nature. The military itself, the Solar Warden aspect of itself, now incorporating Orion Draco technology, Orion Draco weaponry, uh, biological Orion Draco assets like um, the living ships, the actual mercenaries that they use, the, the creatures that they breed, um, all because of this invasion. And like what I've shared is just scratching the surface of it. Like I said, I've tried to summarize something as monumentous as, say, World War II or the Civil War within three hours. And, and you know, yes, any professor or anyone, you can find that on YouTube, people summarizing entire wars very quickly, but 
this is a skill that I am still practicing and learning, and so I thank you very much for your patience. I know you guys got a lot of guts for sticking out and hearing the truth over three hours, but realize that the overall course of events lasted from anywhere between um, three weeks to uh, three months. Time is time is very distorted because of the intensity of the actions and of the intoxicating state of nanotechnological combat drugs and MK Ultra conditioning, where time itself seems to freeze. Especially given the age of being 14 and given the absolute life and death situation of fighting an alien invader, my perspective of it is, is much more pronounced as why it's important to my life. But at the same time, discussing a war that took place for three weeks is, you know, no less describing the monumentous, you know, crossroads of an entire planet's timeline, entire species' timeline which this invasion was. And while it might seem minor to the outsider, I know that it was anything but minor. It was an extremely major, pivotal event into the breakaway civilization, into the secret space program, into the fate of mankind itself. And was, in many ways, the birthplace of the modern Solar Warden and of the modern Earth Alliance. And of the modern relationship we have now with the Astra High Command. Now that they are headquartered in Antarctica, now that they are physically located in these subterranean bunkers. And now living as Earthlings currently on Earth as well as orbiting us and surrounding us with their protection and their defenses. Having already done so, we now know they we can rely on them to defend us, and they know they can rely on us to defend ourselves as a species. Taking that next step into species adulthood, into the maturation of a higher dimensional, higher density interstellar being that mankind is destined to become. So thank you all very much out there in Dreamland. I sincerely appreciate it. I've been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. This is the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Thank you all very much for supporting me. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. Follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Library slash Odyssey. Follow me on as many different podcast platforms as you can. Subscribe. Hit the like button. Whatever options are available to you. If you want to reach out and donate to these these projects, help uh, me increase the production levels, and to uh, help me afford better gear and studio spaces, etc., uh, to create more entertaining and professional quality podcast episodes and documentaries that I can put on YouTube and Patreon, etc., check out that Patreon, patreon.com slash beyondtopsecrettexan. And donate a dollar. Starting at a dollar, you get access to direct messaging. You get to support independent journalism. And it's just like buying a cup of coffee a month or a dollar a ticket, you know, for all these shows, which, you know, are provided by you, the independent supporter of journalism and media truth and justice around the world. You guys are the real superheroes. So thank you all very much. God bless you. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend.
God bless you and your families. I'm the Beyond Top Secret Texan, and you've been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Peace out.